Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Well, hello again. Like Doug was saying a little bit earlier, we're taking on the next section of Colossians. We've been in a series of of Colossians, the book of Colossians, working our way through it section by section, and we've made it to chapter 3. We're at the beginning of chapter 3 this morning, and you know, I always have to be really careful when I do announcements and then when I speak that I turn off my mic in between announcements and, and the speaking portion because there's a singing part in the middle there. <clears throat> and I like you guys way too much to sing for you. Anyways, talking parts here. Uh, we're, so we're in this series on Colossians and those of you that have been in the services up to this point or been along the way uh, have been privy to the fact that that Paul is writing this book to the church in Colossae from prison in Rome. And he's been writing to a group that he's never met personally, but that he has affection for and has concern for. And and so he's speaking into their lives as he's heard that there are some things that have crept into their thinking, that are some false teachings, some things like that, that that are taking them a little bit off track. And so he's speaking into their world about how to get back on track and, and what they need to be solid in in their faith. And so that's kind of where we're at. We're, we're in the middle of that portion where he's begun to speak into their lives with some specific instructions. And so we're going to start in verse, uh, chapter, one, verse one, ch- chapter 3, verse 1, excuse me. And we're going to take on the first 17 verses of that chapter. So if you'd join with me. Uh, if you'd flip open, there's a pew Bible in front of you. If you brought your own Bible, that's awesome. If you've got your phone, flip it up on that. Otherwise, it will be there for you on the screen. And let's read then the first 17 verses of chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will also, you, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. 
but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has any grievance against someone. For as the Lord forgave you, for sorry, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you again for your word. Thank you that you speak to us through Paul today. And that this message isn't just for the Colossians, but for us every bit as much. And so this morning, God, I would pray that as we open your word and as we look at it, that you would open it to us. That you would reveal it to us in a new way, in a deeper way. In ways that we can apply to our lives that we would know you better, that we would be able to reflect you more in our lives as we go out, that we would become a better testimony, testimony for you in the world around us. For your son's sake, and again, and again, in his name I pray. Amen. All right. So as we come to chapter 3, very similar to other sections, other parts of this book, we find ourselves continuing on with what Paul was talking about previously, here in this case in chapter 2. And what, what we found there, what we're finding as we come to chapter three, chapter 3, is that Paul is in the middle of this treatise on who we are now as Christians. And he's clarifying the things that we as Christians should on one hand be leaving behind and on the other hand, should be embracing and moving towards going forward. The things that we have been to leave behind are, are he addressed largely before in the chapter 2, in which the panel was talking about last week. But as we come to chapter 3 now, he turns that corner and he starts to point forward to the things that we need to do going forward, the things that we need to embrace moving on in our lives. And so that's where we find ourselves this morning. Now, Paul uses Christ's death and resurrection as the backdrop for this discussion a little bit. Okay, so as, he, as he's looking at the things that were to leave behind, he's referring to that through the, through the lens, if you will, through the picture, the image of Christ's death. Just in, in the way that Christ died and that we died with him to these things, we're to die as well and leave them behind. And then, as Christ was raised again from the dead and we with him, then we are to raise ourselves to these things and pursue these things now in our lives. This is the way that we should live going forward. And so that's kind of where we're at. So we see that comparison going on. Christ's death 
and his resurrection and how that applies to our lives. But it's more than just a comparison this morning. And we can't miss this. We need to understand this. When we come to Christ and when we place our faith in him, then we need to understand that we are implicated, you and I are implicated in his death and in his resurrection as well. That we are now implicated as a part of that whole process. And that through his death then, we also are now dead to sin. And it's, it's influence over us. It's control or it's dominion over us. We've left that behind. We're dead to it. It is gone. And instead now, by his resurrection, we are resurrected to a new life, a whole new perspective on life. And not just a a perspective, but a whole new life period. Which brings us then to chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. So let's focus on them. Chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Note here, right off the hop, that you have been raised. If you have placed your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ today then Paul is saying that you have been raised. Note the tense. It's past. It is done. It is complete. It is over. That has been accomplished. All right? So Paul is speaking here to the Colossian Christians. And in the same way, he's speaking to us. And remember that they were having this issue where there was this False teaching that had crept into their world, into their thinking. And it was, it was undermining who Christ is and what he had done. And they were starting to question whether or not Christ, whether Jesus was sufficient for their salvation. And Paul is saying, oh yes, he is. He is completely sufficient. You need not look anywhere else. There's nothing that you have to add to it. Your salvation Your redemption is complete in Jesus Christ. You have been raised with Christ. Past tense, done of tout fini, accomplished. You are now a new creature in Him. So Paul is addressing that here. And he wants them to understand. He wants you to understand today that when you place your faith in him, that Jesus is sufficient for your salvation, for your redemption. You need not look any further. Can I ask you a question this morning? Right off the hop. Have you been redeemed by Jesus Christ? Have you come to the point where you are trusting in him for your salvation Have you allowed him to pay the penalty of your sin, which is death, on your behalf? And to give you then new life. A new life eternally with him in heaven. Have you made that decision? Some of you might be 
here this morning and you've been around for a while and you've been starting to lean into this and it's starting to make sense to you, but you haven't yet made the decision to place your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm asking you today, do that. Would you do that today? Would you solidify the deal? Make the decision to place your faith in Jesus and allow him to redeem you and to give you new life. If you need help with that, come and talk to me. Come and talk to one of the other staff. Maybe talk to somebody that brought you. But don't leave it. Seal the deal. Allow him to do that. And if I can, a supplementary, Mr. Speaker. In my, in my past world, when I was writing speeches for members of the government, whenever you got the opportunity to ask a question, you got a supplementary. So forgive me for taking the liberty this morning, but I'm going to do that. Supplementary. For those of you that have put your faith in Jesus Christ. For those of you that are trusting in Him for your salvation, are you living it today? Are you living as though you are redeemed? That you have security in Jesus Christ now and for eternity? Has that changed the way that you go about life? Because of that assurance, or like the Colossians today, has some false teaching crept into your world, into your mind, where you're questioning whether that maybe is really true? Or if there's something else that you have to do to augment it, to add to it, to, to solidify it, to somehow get across the finish line. Paul wants you to know today that you do not have to, nor can you. There is nothing that you can do. This is a free gift from God. He's accomplished it by his death and resurrection. All we can do is receive it and then live it out. Confident of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. Paul would have you to know today that your salvation is safe and it's secure and it's complete through Jesus Christ alone. That being the case, then he continues, since you are raised with Christ, done deal, then set your hearts and minds on things above. Now Paul says, on account of our new position in Christ, then we are to, re to reprioritize our thinking and our wills to come in line with Jesus Christ and who he is. Which is to say that we need to bring ourselves in line with Christ's character, his perspective, and his priorities. In this way, we are beginning to come in line with how things will one day be in heaven, which is where Christ is, above now in heaven with God. And there too, we will be one day. So as we bring ourselves in line, our heart and our minds in line with Christ, we are preparing ourselves for the future with Jesus. But there is more to it than that, just that. It is more than just bringing our hearts and our minds in line with Christ, which we find in verses 3 and 4. For you died... 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul says so very much here in two extremely short sentences. In essence, he sums up the Christian's position. He sums up where we are at as Christians, the state that we are now in, having put our trust in Jesus Christ. Every year in January, the the President of the United States gives what they call the State of the Union Address. I, I, I don't know why, I love that. I, I love the fact that the leader of the country would get up every year and lay out for the country where we are at today as a nation. This is exactly what Paul is doing for us here as Christians. He is laying out for us the state of our union now with Christ. And on account of that then, he he says, on account of what Christ has done, our old life is gone. It is gone. And instead, a whole new life has been given to us. We have been given new, a new life and a whole new identity. And it is now being held by Christ for us. It's been given to us. It's been accomplished. It is now held by Christ for us. But it hasn't been revealed completely to us yet. We see glimmers of it. We see pieces of it. But the whole thing hasn't been revealed as yet. However, one day, one day, either when we die and go to be with him or when Christ returns, at that point, when he brings this all to fruition, then that will all be revealed in its totality, in its completeness. And we will see ourselves wholly as he has recreated us to be. Let me say it like this. When I put my faith in Jesus, when I came to trust Him as my Lord and Savior, when I understood what He had done for me on the cross and I accepted that for my sake, then the old Doug, who was marred by sin and held captive under the dominion of sin, he died. That guy is now dead. He is gone. It is over for him. And as of that moment, by Christ's work on the cross, miraculously, I don't know how that works, how he's accomplished, but but at at, at that very moment, he recreated me. And I am wholly made new in Christ, in him. Holy and create. And completely recreated. And now, that new me, that new you, while it exists, while it's been accomplished, it hasn't been revealed yet and won't be until Christ deems the time appropriate. Now, why is that? 
Why is it that he would recreate us, make us wholly new, but not reveal that to us completely? Why, why can't we have that now? It's because that that new creation, who we are now, is not complete until we are with Christ. Because that new life rests in Him. Apart from Him, it doesn't compute. It doesn't work. So while we're separated, we can't have it yet. But one day when we are together, then it will be complete and we will see it for what it really is. Now, this blows my mind. It's so hard to wrap my head around. I was trying to think of an analogy for it. And my problem is, is that every time I think of an analogy, it seems like heresy because it is so incomplete. It is so insufficient to demonstrate what he's done. But this is the best that I could do. If you had imagine this morning with me, Christ as a magnet and you and I as tin or aluminum. Initially, you and I are tin and aluminum, which is to say that we are not attracted to the magnet at all. It has no influence on us. We have no interest in it. We're, we're dead to the magnet. It has no impact on us. But as we understand who the magnet is, as we place our trust in Christ, as we understand what He's done for us and come to trust Him, recognizing that, that He is God and that He's holy and we are sinful man and that there's this huge gap between us and that on account of our sin that we are dead, that we have to pay the price which is death. And that there's nothing that we can do to solve that problem save Jesus Christ who comes along and dies in our place so that we can then have a restored relationship with God through Him. At that point, when I understand that and when I take that step of faith in, to, to, towards Him, put my trust in Him, at that moment, He turns me from tin or from aluminum into iron, cobalt, a whole new substance, which I understand is the most magnetically attractive metal there is. And I am now drawn to Christ because I'm completely different. I am not the same as I was before. I am a different thing entirely by Christ's work, what he's accomplished through the cross on my behalf, for me, for you, as we then embrace that and accept that gift from him. And that metal then that we, he turns us into, this new creation, is attracted to him and it's being drawn to him. And as we participate in that, as we move towards him, practice the things that he sets out for us to do and we leave behind those things that Paul's been talking about leaving behind. As that happens, we get closer and closer to him and we begin to feel the attraction. We begin to feel the force at work until one day, bang, it connects. And now it's full. Now it's whole. Now we understand the bond that exists in Christ because we're there together with him and it makes complete sense. I'm spitting. Excuse me. That's what's at stake here. That's what's working. That's what Christ is up to and what he accomplishes here. And so there then, 
we find the setting of our Christian life now. We're in this this situation where that's been done and accomplished. We've been changed from aluminum and tin into iron cobalt. But we're waiting for that connection to be made in full, complete. We're living between the already done and the not yet. N.T. Wright explains it this way. The new age has dawned, and the Christian already belongs to it. The old age, however, is not yet wound up. So here we are in the gap, having to play this out. And that being the case then, Paul starts to give us the game plan to do so. In short, he says, start living then as saints. You were once sinners. That's done. That's gone. You are now saints. So go and be saints. As you are then, go and be. Which brings us to verse 5. Okay. We're going to have to do this really fast. Verses 5 to 11. Paul starts to lay out for us a plan going forward. This is how to, we're to, to work going forward now as saints. This is how to, we're, we're to live. He starts off, put to, put to death. We're going to have to stop there. We're not going to get very far. Put to death. That's how he starts. And, now, and listen here. This isn't Paul trying to be dramatic. This isn't Paul trying to be flowery. This is, this is Paul calling a spade a spade. He's dead serious. No, that's not the right way to say it. I'm not trying to be funny. He is extremely serious about this. Put it to death, he says. Don't mess around with this stuff. Don't try and tame it. Don't try and just manage it. Don't try and just put it on a leash and control it. Because you can't. Put it, therefore, to death. Kill it. Deal with it. Eliminate it. Put to death, therefore, these things. If we don't put them to death, if we don't kill them, they are going to try and kill us. That's where Paul's going. So put to death these things. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Stop there again. Now, we've got a bad picture so often of God. We hear that his wrath is coming, and we think that that means that he's some vindictive being out there that is, is looking to, to, to zap us, to, to discipline us, to, 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 to just be difficult. And that's not at all what Paul's saying here. It's because of these things, our sexual immorality, our lust, our evil desires, our greed, these, these idolatrous things, these are the reasons why his wrath is coming. Not because he's vindictive, not because he's mad at us, not because he's just irritated with the way that you and I live. It's because of his holiness. His holiness demands a response to these things. He cannot just let them slide. He cannot just let them go. He has to respond to those things. And so we have this opportunity to join with him in that. 
by dealing with them ourselves, by taking those things and navigating them, managing them, killing them, putting them to death. Carrying on, verse 7, we've got to really fly. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things such as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We've got to stop there again. Church family. Our society has foul mouths. Day in and day out, in conversation after conversation, F-bombs are dropping every which direction. It's like we were at war. And unfortunately, I believe that that has begun to creep into our vocabulary. That we're starting to use that language in, in our world. And it, years ago, the, 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 the city of New York decided that they were going to clamp down on graffiti in their city. It seemed like sort of a minor thing to be worried about when they had one of the highest rates of murder in the world. But they clamped down on graffiti. What they found was that as they clamped down on graffiti, as they held that to account, that then the rate of crime in the more significant areas of crime started to recede as well. They went down because they got serious about small things. As Christians, I think that we need to be careful here and we need to clamp down on our language where that has started to creep into our world, where we're using language that we shouldn't, where it has an impact on those around us negatively and on ourselves as well. Then, then we need to clean it up. And we'll find that as we're diligent about the small things, it will also help us to find out how to navigate the big things. I think that New York took a lesson from Paul here. It will pay dividends in our lives. Carrying on. Verse 9. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in, the knowledge, in knowledge in the image of our, of our Creator. That's what we're doing now. We're being renewed in that knowledge of who He is. And we're putting that on. We're starting to come in line with Him. That's what Paul's talking about. Here, here. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Christ unifies us. Note that all of these sins that Paul's just been laying out, they divide us. They separate us. They move us away from one another. But not just that. They divide us and they separate us also from God. So Paul's saying, put those things to death. Don't do it because it'll cause divisions among you. And it will divide you from God. It will pull you away from Him, not closer to Him. And here with God, there are no other arbitrary barriers between us. We are all together in Christ for Christ, unified. Which brings us now to verse 12 to 17. Verses 12 to 17. And Paul turns a corner here now. And these things that we're to kill, he puts behind us. And, he, and he, he turns to the things that we should be embracing. Going forward, we need to embrace these things. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Stop right there. That is who you are today. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ. 
You need to understand that you are God's chosen people. You are holy and dearly loved by God. Completely. Holy and dearly loved by Him. He's not mad at you. He's not upset with you. He's not vindictive towards you. He loves you. Therefore, on account of that, live it out. Let that change your heart and your mind and your perspective on life. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. There's a paradigm to live by today. Forgive as Christ forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Note now that these things pull us together. All of these things bind us together. And they complete us in unity. They pull us towards each other. And they also pull us towards God. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The end. But not quite. Now it would seem really simple this morning. Knowing that that's the case. That's who we are now in Christ. That he's given us new life. And that we can put these other things to death. And that we can turn and just follow this direction. Follow this plan and this path. And we'll be fine. But why is it not so simple? Why is that so difficult today? And I'm not talking about here the challenge that we have of trying to navigate our old nature, our old sinful nature that still wants to pull us down, and the, and the, and the difficulty that we have in turning from our sin, turning from our pride, turning from our lust, or whatever those things are, and doing the right thing. I get it. I understand that that's difficult. But why is it that even beyond that today, I struggle? Do you? I do. And if you're like me, I believe that God has saved me. I believe that he's made me into a new creation. And I believe that what's coming one day is going to be amazing. And so it makes sense in my head that I should start and navigate in this direction, that I should move forward this way. But I struggle to do it. And I think that that's because that so often we focus on the here and now. And that I've been deluded by earthly things to the point where I can't help but wonder. I can't help but 
think that I might lose out somehow if I change from the, my old self to live like a saint. That somehow I'm going to lose out in that process. We're so deluded and enamored of, of earthly charms and the eye candy that it holds out there for us that we, we think that that's where the real prize lies. And that yet yeah, one day it's going to be fine, I'm going to get to experience heaven, but in the here and now I don't want to miss out on that. But if we're honest with ourselves, we know that we don't find it there. We don't find fulfillment there, do we? We know that all the eye candy, the things that the world sets out as the real prizes for us, those things are hollow. They don't, they don't amount to anything. I, I never make it to the end of the rainbow when I'm chasing those things. It's always hollow. I achieve something. I, I get to what I think is going to be the prize, and then it's not. I want something more. And what I have to do, what I need to understand, what I need to to learn to do is to chase after God and what he sets out for me because in that then comes the real fulfillment as I move closer to him then I do start to find the satisfaction and the fulfillment that I'm looking for as I look at the earth as I chase the earthly things the magnetism draws me away it gets less and less and it's empty and hollow over here but as I turn to him, as I move towards him, this pull of the magnet gets stronger and it becomes real. It becomes tangible in my life. I begin to understand it and feel its effects and the things that it brings with it for me that give me satisfaction, fulfillment, where my bell rings like it's never been rung before. We need to understand that that can be happening now and that it holds true value, true fulfillment, true satisfaction. And start and head that way. C.S. Lewis summed it up like this when he said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. This morning, I think Paul would agree. And I trust that we will too, and that we will now heed that advice and chase after the things that Paul outlines for us. And in that, we will find God like we've never found him before. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, forgive us for the way that we chase after earthly things. Lord, would you help us to understand you better today, understand what you've accomplished for us today through your son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection on the cross. Lord, would you give us the courage that we need to embrace you in this process and, and, and step out in faith to chase after these things as Paul has outlined them for us. Would you meet us there, God, as we do? And would you give us the assurance, the confidence the confirmation that we need that you are there and that you're real and that you will ring our bell as we do like we've never had it rung before. And that rather than waiting for tomorrow to experience you like we can, that we would start today. 
And I pray these things, God, and ask for you to work in our hearts and minds by your spirit to that end. And I ask this all in Jesus' name for his sake alone. Amen.